Looking for your next TV show or movie to binge? Well, buckle up, grab the remote, and settle into your couch for this special edition of Crossing the Streams. We're here to help you tune in and get the most out of those 50 monthly streaming channels you're currently paying for. So without any further ado, here's your host of Crossing the Streams, Jeff Dwoskin. Hey everyone, it's Jeff Dwoskin. Great to have you back for another amazing bonus episode here on Live from Detroit, the Jeff Dwoskin podcast feed, bringing you the best of our live show, Crossing the Streams, every Thursday in podcast form so that you can have it directly fed into your ears. You asked for it, we delivered. What is Crossing the Streams if you're just jumping in right now? Have you ever asked yourself, hey, what should I be watching right now? Or, hey, I just finished watching, what should I watch next? Well, Crossing the Streams is the ultimate answer to that universal question. If you need something to watch, if you need something to binge, you've come to the right place. Crossing the Streams provides all the answers. This podcast version pulls three segments from our live show for you to enjoy. Of course, you're welcome to join us every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time when we're live for one hour. We have over 60 episodes streaming right now on YouTube. We go live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time for an hour of goodness. Today, I have three segments for you from our various live shows from episode 23, This is a Robbery, from episode 32, My Octopus Teacher, and from episode 51, The Handmaid's Tale. Let's kick things off with My Octopus Teacher, brought to you by Tony Berardo. Take it away, Tony. It's your turn, Tony. We're going to talk about my octopus teacher. This is about a teacher who becomes an octopus. <laughs> <laughs> he grows six additional limbs. No, um, so this is an oldie but goodie. And I, I saw the content that you guys have been putting out and all the different things. And, you know, again, um, I like to talk about a vast uh, amount of different crazy geeky things and also great movies and action pack. This was one thing because I'm a document like a documentary and nut where I just love sitting back and just watching documentaries, like binging them. This was super interesting. Have you guys seen this by the way? I I saw, I saw the beginning of it and it's, never, it is super interesting. Love it. So let me tell you first, I knew all, I knew an octopus in middle school, but <laughs> what was her name? <laughs> she was really handsy. <laughs> well played, sir. So first of all, let me tell you my fascination with octopus, not octopi. Bye. It's octopuses. What you wanted to know, but my fascination with octopuses for the past 10, 15 years, I've always been fascinated. In fact, if you follow, if you have Instagram, go to Octonation at Octonation, and you will see some crazy octopus shit like you've never experienced before. Like these things are alien, right? Like we know they're alien. We know they're. We can't even understand them or comprehend them. But when you see some of the shit that goes on on this Instagram page, there's so many different types of octopus, and it's. The animal is just incredible. It's magnificent. It's gorgeous to look at, but just the uh, the way they move and what they can do is is crazy. I say that I build it up because you don't know going into this documentary that that's what that is because you're going to get an hour and twenty five minutes of not just this this guy who just happens to go to South Africa every day in the freezing cold weather and he just swims. You know, he takes a snorkel. He doesn't uh, throw on any gear. 
just a snorkel and some goggles and he just goes down and he goes in this uh this ocean right outside his house and he just swims and he looks around and then he always documents it so one day he decides to document his entire journey you know two three four hours whatever and he ends up finding this little tiny octopus and this octopus you could tell was a baby I, i would imagine and it starts following him and his fascination with the octopus turns now into instead of documenting his entire journey swimming, now it's just solely to this octopus. Long story short, he goes back home and he looks at the footage. He's like, this is incredible. Like this thing, you know, has like a brain, like it's learning and it's feeding off my emotion. Like he, he really dissects this thing apart. So he decides to follow this octopus for an entire year and he documents the entire journey. So spoilers ahead, there's a lot of crazy eight-legged things that happen and including him defending off sharks the octopus and you know he's capturing all this so you get a chance to see all this and see how the octopus lives and how it camouflages itself when it's you know uh, in danger it's just an incredible story and you get attached to not just the guy but also the octopus and then by the end of it there's just this this weird relationship that you should have if not you're dead inside but you should have this this really incredible creature that we don't know really anything about i forget his name but i think it's like something foster the guy who did it and i think he took the proceeds of this film but won a lot of awards and he actually put it to the conservation and studying of octopus because that year journey that he did some researchers have never seen an octopus do so it's pretty interesting to see him go through this journey, but it's definitely worth the watch if you enjoy documentaries as a whole or if you enjoy good storytelling. This is part of it, and I recommend it on a nice big TV if you got some lights or something in the background to go behind the TV because it's it's like an Avatar-style beautiful filmmaking. So uh, highly recommend. Zach, awesome. you're in as well. I feel guilty. The last time I saw an octopus, it was grilled and on my plate. <laughs> I feel horrible now. I feel horrible. <laughs> a couple seconds after I build that peak. Of wow. <laughs> I know, but it's wow. like, that's how good it was. I'm like, yeah, not, I'm here to speak the truth. It's like I, how intelligent these creatures are. And it's like, yeah, I, I ate one. They <laughs> delicious. Yeah, they're oh, just a little Worcestershire. They're fantastic. <laughs> they're, um, they're, they're supposed to be like dogs. Um, they have the intelligence of dogs so you can train them and, and have them do tricks and all that. They also have beaks. Did you, did you guys know that? Yes, I didn't know uh, Yeah. The most fascinating thing I got from it that I didn't even know, and I follow octopus like a lot, uh, maybe too much. There's this one scene where he takes a bunch of seashells that are around him, the octopus, and he sees predators coming and he takes the uh, shells and he turns them and he puts all of his eight legs over them. So now the shell is like a shield all around him and the predator can attack him. It's just, it's, it's crazy shit like that that you don't even know. I bet that that was on my plate where she had a shell. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's very it's very cool I, I i like learning anything and i'm like one of these smart people that tells everybody everything and when i learn someone's like oh i didn't know that but yeah like when, when you learn that you know it's not octopi it's octopuses when you learn that like that they don't have legs they have uh, arms around tentacles they're actually just arms uh and then each one has like kind of its own like brain thing dude octopuses are so back, by the way yeah dude octopuses are so cool and uh that that documentary was one that i went into it looking for uh just knowledge on octopuses and i actually fell in love with just the idea of it like this dude just loves this thing and he just loves the ocean and uh it's so interesting and slow and actually really well done documentary everything that tony said 100 agree yep respect and they taste delicious too (laughs) (laughs) 
That was awesome. I felt guilty about making a joke about eating an octopus after such a deep review. But I have to say, I have seen it since, and it is an amazing documentary. Highly recommend My Octopus Teacher. Right now, we're going to switch it over, change it up a bit. Ron Lippett's going to talk about This is a Robbery. If you listen to the live show, you know Ron has a thread where sometimes he just warns us of shows not to watch. This is one of them, but it's a great conversation to get you off the ledge of watching this show. Take it away, Ron. We're going to go to This is a Robbery. This is a Robbery, brought to you by the people who brought you The Irishman. So it's a 15-hour movie. (laughs) (laughs) this is a robbery this is also a boring piece of shit is what this is um how many people have seen have you guys seen this movie or this uh, series i I began to watch it i fell asleep within 15 minutes i'm telling you i this was this was that 300 page book where you're on page 120 and you're like i've put 120 freaking pages in this i've got to push forward to to get through this thing and then you still can't get through it like uh, you're falling you're falling asleep you don't care. You're not rooting for anybody. And yet, when you look at the Metascore and you look at Rotten Tomatoes and all the, the reviews on this, it, it is across the board, strong reviews, which calls into question, Zach, who the hell is doing the reviews and who are they calling on to get the metrics for against this? They so, should be calling me. Right? So it's, listen, this is a robbery, the world's biggest art heist. For those of you guys who don't know what it is, in 1990, apparently, uh, the biggest art heist in the history of the world happened at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston. And it was, at the time, and even now, still seen as the most brazen, unbelievable art heist ever. Like, incredible works of art were taken. I think it was 13 pieces total worth untold uh, hundreds of millions of dollars. Priceless, right? And and some of the and so here's I you know I think I I brought this up when when I did the review of uh, I'm sorry what was the, the Spanish heist movie uh, heist show um, I'm forgetting what oh, it was but uh, money heist money heist thank you I freaking love heists I love the story of heists I love the planning that goes into it I love rooting for the bad guys even when they get caught I love all of the execution of a plan that leads to a heist of this magnitude and honestly when I went into this four-part miniseries on Netflix. I I really thought they were going to go into what could they possibly have done to execute on this heist. But that's not at all what the show was about. It's kind of like when I took astronomy at Michigan. That course was not at all what I thought it was going to be about. This was a board... Yeah. It's a math course. This is a stupid movie, four-part series, one hour each uh, part, about yeah. the theories of who took the, the paintings. And then going into the second, moving into the third installment, they center in on the on the Italian mafia. But it doesn't matter because there's no there's no connection to the heist or to the people like the, the producers didn't create threads to, to make you interested in, in how the heist got to the mafia and how the mafia then, um, you know, did something with the heist and, uh, you know, all of this just led you nowhere and you just didn't give a shit about it. This is really, it's upsetting to me because this, this was directed by a guy named Colin Barnacle who you wrote and produced and, um, directed it. And, uh, Howard, you may know this guy because, uh, he's a 30 for 30 documentarian, right? For ESPN, he actually cut his teeth. The, the big one he did for 30 for 30 was the, I forget the name of it, but it's the Alex Rodriguez one where there was oh, a yeah. bidding war between Boston and New York uh, for Alex Rodriguez, which was an amazing 30 for 30. It's a really interesting one, which connected all the dots and made you interested sure. the whole time. So I was really excited about this uh, this documentary. But it, again, it, it just, 
it didn't cut it for me. And I was, I found myself falling asleep um, and not at all interested in this. And here's the, the epilogue to my review on this is that, and this is not wrecking anything. Uh, you know, uh, Dwaz don't make fun of me for uh, doing any kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, wrecking the ending, but they still haven't found these friggin' paintings and they're no closer to finding the paintings <laughs> than they were in the very beginning, the first 10 minutes of the freaking show. So they it- don't, they don't know where these paintings are. They're never going to know where these paintings are. So there's still power broker. The there's power just broker. nothing. <laughs> there's just nothing that helps you to, to sleep at night with this show. So, uh, so listen, if you're interested in the heist and the mechanics of the heist and, and all the great things that make a heist possible, this is not your show. If you're interested in hearing about the mafia and uh, it's loose connection to a, a, a heist that may or may not have happened 30 years ago, Good luck. I hope you enjoy mm-hmm. this show. Uh, and that's well, that's that's my wow. review. So there's no the conclusion. There's really. no conclusion. There's no conclusion. Really. It's Nothing. Like, what do you no. do with like art like that? Like it's like it's some people are over your house and there, like is there, there are they stuff? talked about that. There's there's no fences. No one can ever buy this stuff. The suggestion that they made on Netflix on the show was that the um, that the mafia would use it to get themselves out of jail. Um, mm. That they that they would offer to return some of these works to get the get their bigger kingpins uh, out of out of prison, but even that never happened because no one knows yeah, where the freaking a, pieces are. I once talked to a private detective who had nothing to do with this case, by the way, but we were talking about this case because I had nothing to do with the case. But we were talking about this case because I had watched a other another documentary on this. This was far more interesting than the show that's on Netflix, and he had theorized, and his his private dick buddies had theorized that this was cartel fun money, right? That's that this. Could could end up in some in a, in a cartel kingpin's hands somewhere down in South America for exactly these purposes. That this could be used for leverage against an against or for a numerous different scenarios or opportunities, yes. right? Yes. And to be hung in someone's house as kind of like a swinging in a swinging Richard type situation, like look at what I did or look at what I got or yeah. look what I bought, um, yeah. would be the only type of people. I could who see would that because you can't you can't like sell it. You can't. You're right. You can't sell it. Yeah. What I thought, you know, they the original theory, and this was actually more interesting, which they didn't pursue on the show, was that the was that the IRA in 1990 when the paintings were stolen uh, was the height of the IRA bombings and the, all the resistance that was happening there. And I thought, or they thought that the IRA had taken the paintings that they were going to then sell back basically to the United States uh, in exchange for, you know, guns and money and access and all this stuff. Uh, but that turned out, you know, that never went anywhere. So it's just, it's like, like I'm saying, there's just, it's just empty. There's no, there's no connections. There's no strings. There's nothing to root for. And it just makes me wonder why they chose this as a, as a topic to, you know, I know it's interesting that it was the biggest heist in the world, but the story they went after didn't help anybody. And and that's, that's it. Yeah, I agree, Ron. I, I watched that a while ago, and the show gets bored with itself after like three episodes. <laughs> it gets to the point where they start asking, like, they ask security guards, like, what's wrong with art? And is art dead? Like, this is what the show, it goes from art heist to like, here's what mafia is. Here's a definition of mafia to, yeah. hey, I wonder what's wrong with the art world today. Let's ask random human beings. It is such a boring, annoying show. Yeah, yeah. And this is, you know, listen, Netflix documentaries are generally well done, but this is this is poor. And and I, I got to be honest, this, this really bummed me out because I invested a lot of time. I was excited right. about it. Is this is a robbery for you? Now you can decide for yourself, but don't let Ron tell you he told you so, huh? All right, we got one more show to cover from episode 51. Guest host Jennifer Fishkind is going to talk to us about The Handmaid's Tale. Take it away, Jennifer. We're going to now discuss The Handmaid's 
Tale. Take it away. Thank you. So Handmaid's Tale is honestly one of my favorite shows. It's funny because most people, like a lot of people who haven't seen it are like, well, it's just, it's so disturbing. I don't think I can watch it. Yes, it is a very disturbing show. Like, absolutely. It also, it, it also, it, it is redeeming. There is some, you know, taking back the power in it. For those of you guys who don't know even any idea what it's about, it takes place in a place called Gilead. It's part of the United States that basically there was an environmental disaster, which led to most women becoming infertile. But there was a small number of women who still could become pregnant and they're forced to become handmaids for the elite class. And they're basically owned by the elite class. And, you know, these women who who are fertile, if they do fight back, which a lot of them do, they're not killed because it's more important for them to have them produce babies. But So they are basically harmed in ways that won't affect their fertility. It is. It's very disturbing. Um, you know, I don't want to go into too much detail about some of the, you know, the disturbing elements because it does kind of ruin the ruin parts of the show. But Elizabeth Moss, you know, who was in Mad Men, phenomenal in this show. She is, I mean, first of all, she's, I think she's an amazing actress. She is just a badass in this show and she really um, kills it. Joseph Fiennes, who I didn't realize was Shakespeare in Love. Anyone see that movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm still upset it beat Saving Private Ryan for Best Picture, but go ahead. Um, so I do agree with you on that. So he, I mean, he was totally hot in that, in that movie. I loved him. He's so creepy in this movie and disturbing that it's like ruined him for me, which, you know, isn't all that fair, but, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, he's doing a good job. He, he, he really, he really is. It's on its fourth season. I found each season to be amazing. A lot of uh, the reviews on the fourth season was that, it, you know, a little slower, not as good. I, it was a little slow, but it's, it was, it's amazing. It's definitely worth watching. Again, you know, it's based on the book of The Handmaid's Tale, which I think there's a lot of, from what I understand, because I'm not a huge reader anymore, there's a lot of uh, differences between the books and the movies. But I'm, I'm trying to think like what I can compare it to, what it reminds me of. A little bit of zombies. Walking Dead? Walking, yeah, Walking Dead. Dead. Thank you. Yeah. A little bit of Walking Dead. With Walking Dead, I, you know, when I first started watching that, I was so focused on the zombies that... You know, I could, and I'm like, how how many how many episodes are there of this? And my husband's like, 110. I'm like, I'm never gonna make it with all the zombie killings, <laughs> you know. But then the zombies kind of become something of the background noise, and it more is about the characters and what's happening between the characters, and that's kind of how I kind of separated what was going on because I mean, there's rape, there's God, just awful things happen to these women. If you can't separate that, it is it's it's hard to watch. It also has an empowering factor in it when they, you know, they kind of take back the power. And that's, you know, it kind of also, you know, with like the Hunger Games movies, it's that that same kind of feeling where you're like, it's super disturbing what they're doing to these kids, but it is redeeming. I have a couple of comments. First off, I've I've watched this series entirely now twice, which is really pathetic. I, I love The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, and I'm just going to say one thing that's that's really shallow and then the other part that's my real comment. Yvonne Strahovski, this is the shallow part, is the hottest actress in Hollywood with hands down. If you you guys don't know who this is, she plays the infertile upper-class wife who has to take on the handmaid's tale to bear children, the handmaid, rather the handmaid. But uh, she's this Australian actress. I don't know what she's done other than, than the handmaid's tale, but it had a big role in the final seasons of Dexter. Ah, ah, there you go. And that would make sense because I didn't watch the final season. She was uh, in Chuck. 
For she someone you're in love with, right. you did not do a lot of research. The uh, she's actually been. <laughs> I've only seen. I just said I've only seen her. Look her up on Mr. Skin. I know you like her. Yes, but so she is absolutely strikingly gorgeously mm-hmm. beautiful, and I, I just can't take my eyes off her. The other, the other, my real comment though is Anne Dowd. Anne Dowd plays the super evil taskmaster character who, who Aunt, Lydia. Punish, Aunt Lydia, who punishes the, the handmaids. And I, and she won, she's won multiple awards. I can't remember. Yeah, she won, they, they've won awards so many awards for the show. Yeah. yeah. She is so powerful. Her every one of her, I'd never seen her in anything before. Mm-mm. She steals the show, as far as I'm concerned, just in terms of her acting and her character and the role that they have this this woman play. Just absolutely stellar, stellar. Worth worth the price of admission. Just that role. I mean, completely evil. And the backstory for her was really fascinating. I found that episode. You know, they went to a backstory of how she became who she is. It was very fascinating. And I really enjoy actually all the backstories of the characters. I think it's very like, I think they do a really good job with that, but also just the relationships between the main character, June and the people that she is living with, you know, like you said, Serena and, you know, Mm -hmm. the Colonel, but then also um, Bradley Whitford, who I thought was really good in this as well. Ron, he was in the West wing. Now Bradley Whitford was, wasn't he also in get out? Yes, he was in Get Out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. last week was one of my favorite shows. But Billy Madison. <laughs> that's, Billy Madison. Right. I mean, that's the best of the best. But he was also on that one with what's his face, Matthew Chandler, Barry. like the, the studio. Studio huh? yeah, on the Sunset Strip. Yeah. Yes, which I actually like that show. Yeah, I really wish that show kept going. So it, it, I, I will just say this, and I, I don't know what's going to end up happening, but. Handmaid's Tale is at risk, as far as I'm concerned, of going into lost territory where it just doesn't know how to end. <laughs> you know, it, it just ends up sucking. And I, I'm very, I, I will tell you, I'm, I'm worried for it. Well, with the end of season four, which I don't want to give it away. Right, I, don't I give it away. They, I think they are starting to wrap it up, though. I mean, that yeah. felt, there was some, there was some some things that took place that makes me feel like they're, they're, they're probably going to be on their last season. And I know what you're talking about. And I, I hope you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's always good when they can map out a decent finish. Cause yeah. the book, it don't, the book only covers season one, right? After season one, correct me if I'm wrong. After season two, doesn't, didn't it just go into its own territory or at least by season I, I think it went four. pretty off onto its own territory. Like, early on. I'm not sure. I know there's a, it's a series though. I think there's, I have to have to look it up. I think there's, there's more than one book. I think, I don't think it follows. It doesn't follow the the books anyways, but I, I, I think there, I mean, I haven't heard anything. I know there is another seasons coming out and I'm going to absolutely watch it, but I think, yeah, I'm just curious. Je- Jeff Howard, Sally, have, have none of you guys seen even a single episode of this? Not this, a minute. I haven't. I haven't. Huh. I haven't. This is uh, when Jen introduced it in the beginning. That's kind of the reason I never saw it. It was, and this is, you know how like you have those shows uh, where you watch with your partner and then you have a show where you maybe watch by yourself when mm-hmm. that person's not around. This is a show that my wife watches when I'm not around. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my husband doesn't watch it with me, but it was really hmm. fun. Our friend Jeff Z loves this show. He thought it was great. So I, I, it's not that I don't think I would enjoy it. I just think, there's some parallels to what is going on in real life right now mm-hmm. that I don't For need sure. more anxiety in my life. <laughs> well, what's, what's really interesting about it is like, you know, when you start to see some of the stuff that is going on right now, it's pretty far fetched. Then you're like, mm, is it, you know, like, yeah. like you could see and 
they show you how it, they got to this point too, which is really interesting. You know, that they take you on the journey of to, you know, how they got from point A to where they are at point Z right now. And you're like, well, God, I mean, I guess that that could happen. It is my understanding that everything in The Handmaid's Tale, the book, which this is based on, was based on something that actually happened in history. Now, they may have mashed things together and changed things, but I think most of the concepts were pulled from reality and created into a new tale. But it, I don't think any of this was, per se, invented. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, that was The Handmaid's Tale. Thank you, Jennifer and Ron, for two points of view. So you got The Handmaid's Tale to check out, My Octopus Teacher to check out, and this is a robbery to avoid. That's a lot of information for one show, huh? Sounds like you got your homework. So go grab your favorite spot on the couch, grab the remote, cross your own streams, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this special edition of Crossing the Streams. Visit us on YouTube for full episodes and catch us live every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now turn this off and go watch some TV. And don't forget to tell your family you'll be busy for a while.